Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. There is something about a foggy night, call it superstition if you like, that takes the sharp edge off reality. Familiar things appear strange, and unfamiliar places can be baffling. Look here, Footy, we must have taken the wrong turn. Will you relax, Ian? For heaven's sakes, we've come exactly according to the old man's instruction. Then why aren't we there by now, lifting a pint of porter and singing all the old songs instead of mucking about in second gear here in the blasted fog. We're not more than a mile away from it right now. You watch. You don't know. You said you've never been up here in this part of Huntington. Well, I haven't, but I can follow the old man's directions all right. Look here. If I could find my way back home to shot up bomber with nothing but stars to steer by, why... Then never I look out! <laughs> Where did he come from? Out of the fog somewhere. I, I don't know, but I've hit him. Come on, help me. I don't see him. I, I don't either. He must have rolled off the road. Oh, God. Have you got a torch? No. Isn't there one in the car? No. He must be in a shrubbery. We've got to find him. You take the left side of the road. I'll take the right. Right. Oh, Lord, what a thing to happen. Anything on your side? No, not yet. Can't see three feet ahead of me in this fog. I wasn't going that fast to have knocked him very far. God knows I had my eyes glued to the road. Crikey, and... I've killed him. You, you know that? No, I don't know it yet. As a barrister, you ought not to take such a thing for granted. Don't tell me what I ought to do. Just find the man. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He's not on this side of the road. And he isn't, he isn't on my side. That's impossible. Under the car? No, I looked. Then where is he? Yes. Where is he? Where is the man who suddenly loomed up in the glare of the headlights of Neville Foote's car as he and Ian Roberts groped through the early November fog on their way to a reunion of their old RAF squadron that night back in 1947? This is the question that will haunt the two men the rest of the evening and will hang over their heads until the final answer is known. In just a moment, Ian Roberts will return to continue tonight's strange tale of crisis... Adapted from Albert Clark's story, The Late Comer. It was our first reunion. In three years since the war, we'd gone our separate ways. I got back on the faculty of a small public school where I taught before going into the RAF in 1940. I really would have been glad to put the war behind me. When the letter came from the old man, Squadron Commander A.E. Hawk, and then the note from Neville Foote, with whom I'd flown some 40 missions, well, I decided to go. Footy, as we called him, 
He'd gone back into law and was doing quite well in London with a firm of solicitors. I took the train to London that early November Saturday, and Footy picked me up in his old Singer two-seater, and we started off up-country for Hawk's old family estate, the Hedges, in a remote part of Huntingdon, county well over a hundred miles north. The afternoon was cold, but the leaves were turning. The countryside was healing from the war. And all in all, I looked forward to a happy weekend reminiscing with old comrades. Footy was preoccupied with telling me everything that had happened to him since his discharge in minute detail, and we took several wrong turns before we even got out of Middlesex. Then the fog began forming. It got dark, and we were running very late. It was close on nine o'clock when suddenly, in the light of the headlamps, this man appeared. There was nothing Neville could do, even at 20 or 30 miles an hour. And quick as he was on the brake, Neville hit him, dead on. How the devil should I know where he is? This is terrible. Well, we'd better go get help. There's just a chance, you know. What chance? That he was only stunned. Could have been so scared that he picked himself up and ran across the fields. I suppose. Did you get a look at him? In half a second, not much chance was there. He was wearing a mac. I saw that uh, much. Brown, wasn't it? Yes. And a cap. I suppose so. Look, Ian. This this puts me in a devil of a spot. I... Well, it was purely accidental. You couldn't have been doing more than... 30. I can vouch for that. No, you don't understand. The, the old boys I work for, terribly conservative, have to be, you know. I suppose. They won't tolerate the slightest breath of anything, you know, sensational. And they have their eyes on me. One of them's getting on in years, and the partnership's bound to open up in a year or two. And I'm doing everything I can to get it. Once a partner, you don't know where you might end up. Even Parliament someday, you see. So... What I'm saying is, well... What you're saying is it would be embarrassing to have run down someone. Well, good Lord, don't put it that way. No, I understand. Actually, I think you take me for some kind of criminal. Well, shouldn't we at least report it? Look, dash it all, man. It's, it's my whole bloody future that's at stake. How was I to know some bloody fool would stagger out in the middle of a country lane in the thick as hell of a peace super and get himself knocked over? Besides, where is he? Yes... That's what bothers me. Where is he? We drove the rest of the way to the hedges in strained silence. I suppose in those few moments I'd lost respect for Neville Foote, and he knew it. But he expected me to overlook it and go on as if nothing had happened, and I found that hard to do. We pulled up in front of a big house that presided over grounds that looked imposing and parked among a dozen or more other cars. We could hear the party even out in front... And as Neville got out, he walked around the front of the car to have a look. There. Have a look at this, Ian. Incriminating evidence? No, that's the point. Not a scratch. Hmm. Radiator straight. Mudgar's got a bit of a dent in it. Well, that's been there for years. Yeah. Uh, if I'd done the fellow any real damage, don't you think that I have a bend in the car or a dent somewhere? If you say so. Now listen here, Ian. Absolutely no good will come of mentioning the incident. Unless the poor bloke's still alive back there. He isn't. Good Lord, all I'm saying is that we did all we could. It was his fault. He'll be found in, in the morning. I'm begging you, Roberts. Oh, come off it, Footy. Let's go in and try and have a good time.
Well, well, well. So you finally made it, eh? Only an hour and 45 minutes late. I'm terribly sorry, sir, the fog. And, and I'm afraid I've never been to this part of the country. And then we had some car trouble. Oh? Oh, it was n- nothing. Just uh, a foul plug. Foul plugs. Oh, what kind of car? Uh, an old, an old singer. Well, with your experience, Roberts, I shouldn't think a, a little simple four-bagger would be much of a problem. Oh, Ian had it fixed in no time, just like he used to do with the with the old Sunderland. Well, actually, then you I... want to wash the grease off. Well, I up the main stairs, two doors to your right, in the hallway. I'll go along too, if you'll excuse me. Now hurry back down. We've all had a head start. This is far enough. I haven't any grease to wash out. No. Well, I had to say something after you came out with that remark about car trouble. Why couldn't you leave well enough alone? I don't know. This this whole thing is so wrong. We've been in the house five minutes and we've already been lying our heads off. I just don't like it. I see. And if you were in my place, I suppose you'd go skipping right up to the nearest constable and blurt out a confession. Would you? No. I suppose that's what's bothering me most. I suppose I do... What you're doing. We waited a couple of minutes more and then went into the main hall and joined the rest of the party. No one had changed much. There were men I'd eaten with and flown with and bunked with, danger with, familiar faces, and some I barely recognized. All brought together now in the warmth and safety of a big drawing room with a fire blazing on the hearth. The war years seemed a century away. I stood by the fire, a full glass in my hand, watching Footy across the room. He was gesturing to someone with both hands, describing some kind of aerial maneuver, utterly wrapped up in his story. And yet, half an hour before, he had killed an unknown man on a country lane. Is this what war can do to a man? I wondered. Why hadn't he done the same to me? Why couldn't I forget that somewhere in the swirling November fog there lay a man... He was somebody's father or brother or son. He was expected home. His mates were looking for him for a game of darts in a pub, but his sweetheart was watching for him. All sorts of tortured thoughts ran through my mind. While we lounged, fat as cats in a posh mansion, a young man's body grew cold out in the fog. And Neville Foote could pretend it had never happened, swaggering about reliving old war exploits. He was nothing but a callous, cold-blooded coward. I'd half made up my mind to slip away and find a telephone and report the incident when the old man surprised me. Uh, Roberts? Yes, yes, sir. You were telling me about yourself. Gone back to teaching, have you? Yes, sir. I was able to get my old job back. No more interest in airplanes, eh? Uh, no, I'm, I'm afraid I had about all of that that I wanted. Uh, well, not many men stayed in. Uh, oh, by the way, you followed those directions I sent you. The... Uh, Yes. Well, I was wondering, you didn't see anything of Tony Greer along the road, did you? Yeah. Tony Greer? From the old squadron? Found me from Kettering. Said his motorbike broke down and he'd be walking the rest of the way. I hoped you might have seen him. He's not here yet? No. Can't understand it. Ought to have been here by now. Of course. Suddenly it all fit together. The young man in the brown raincoat. I excused myself, moved across the room toward Neville. I had to tell him now. He had killed a man from our old squadron, a man who was on his way to this very reunion.
foggy November night in 1947, my old flying comrade Neville Foote and I, Ian Roberts, had an unavoidable accident. Neville was driving when a young man suddenly stepped out of the fog directly in the path of the car, and before we could stop, it was too late. Now, barely half an hour later, I had learned who it surely was. Tony Greer, one of our own squadron mates. He had been walking to the reunion after his motorbike broke down. Neville had refused to report it for fear it might damage his chances in the law firm for which he worked. But now, career or no, he had to make a clean breast of it. Neville. In a minute, Ian. So there I was. The barmaid recognized me as the same Neville, player. I have to talk to you. Ian, please, old man. Do be quiet while I finish this story. I think it'll keep. Uh, look, excuse me, you chaps. I seem to Robert says something urgent on his mind. Walk over here with me. Come over here, away from the crowd. All right, what is it? It's about tonight. That is a closed subject. Oh, no, it isn't. What do you mean? Let's go over it again. I will not. I want you to compare notes with me on what we saw. And I'm telling you for the last time to put this whole thing out of your mind. He was a young man. We were agreed on that, right? I don't want to talk about it. Well, you're going to talk about it. Is that a threat? Call it anything you like. I think I know who it was. You say? I think I know who it was. The old man asked me if we saw anyone walking along the lane on the way here. It seems one of the squadron had trouble with his motorbike, phoned he'd be coming on foot. That's why I wanted to go over what we remember about the man we hit. Now, we both got a glimpse of his face. I didn't. Yes, you did. You knew he was wearing a cap. He had his face toward us for just an instant. Now shut your eyes and try to remember what he looked like. I can't. I won't. Does the name Tony Greer ring a bell? Tony Greer? That's who's missing from the reunion. Greer? He was he was in our flight. A navigator for Wheatley, if I'm not mistaken, before that. You knew him. Well, well, what if I did? Hawk says Greer rang him up from Kettering and said he'd been having trouble with his motorbike and that he'd walk the rest of the way. We passed Kettering about just five minutes before we had our accident. Yes, but that still doesn't mean it was Greer. But we saw no one else walking on that road, did we? So... What do you want to do? I want to telephone to the police and tell them exactly what happened. Look, you're the barrister, but I know enough about English law to know that if I'm in the car when the pedestrian is hit, I'm an accessory. You're a material witness. No crime has been committed. All right, a material witness. But if you don't report it, a crime will have been committed. All right. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go on back, back to the place where it's happened. We'll borrow torches from the old man. We can tell him we've lost something or want to check the car. We'll scour the area until we find... Whoever it was. And we don't find him? Don't be absurd. Of course we'll find him. And when we do? Then we'll... We'll make a proper report of the whole thing. We borrowed a pair of electric torches from Commander Hart and drove out of the courtyard and back into the road. The fog had grown worse. And we couldn't have been sure just where we'd seen the man. A mile away, we parked and got out. The fog lay heavy and wet on the fields and drifted through the trees beside the road. We moved together side by side, plowing through the thick grass and weeds until our feet and trousers were drenched. We found nothing. Then we took the other side of the road and did the same thing, and still, there up no sign that a man had been struck by a car. Small animals rustled away in tall grass, and I shivered with fright as much as with the cold. Finally, I was ready at last to give it up. Not 
Not a trace, not a bloody clue. I'm ready to put it all down as an illusion. But we know better, don't we? Look, I'll be hanged if I'll confess to running over someone without the corpus delecti. You made a pun, Footy, but they won't hang you. Listen. Police? They're coming this way. Yes, uh, coming up from the direction of Kettering, wouldn't you say? Get back in the bush. Footy, in heaven's sake. Don't let them see us. Your car's parked in the road. They know something's up. Oh, that's right. What difference does it make now? You've already agreed to make a report about it anyway. I, I know, but... Oh. You're not slowing down. Hmm. On the way to Hedges. I think that's where we should be heading. Neville drove back to the old estate and... Sure enough. The police car had drawn up in the courtyard. There were no sounds of merrymaking coming from the great hall now. The old mansion was silent as we walked up and rang the bell. When the door opened, the old man, Commander Hawk himself, was standing there. Oh, uh, you're back. Yes, sir. Well, come in. Thank you, sir. Uh, here are your torches, sir. Thank you very much. And did you find what you were looking for out on the moor? The moor? Well, that's where you've been, isn't it? Well, as a matter of fact... As a matter of fact, I know what you're looking for now. You, you do? Yes, I do. I think you'd better come this way. Sir, I'm going to make a full report to the police, but I want you to know personally... You so don't that... need to report to me, Foot. I know all about it. We followed the old man down into the entry hall and into the drawing room. His shoulders had lost their military brace now. He seemed suddenly tired... His spirit gone. Neville shot me a glance filled with alarm and dread as Hawk opened the doors to the room and nodded for us to enter. You will note, gentlemen, that our reunion now is complete. Tony Greer has been found. Tony Greer? Seated by the fireplace, encircled by the rest of the squadron, was a man. The circle parted and the man stood... His mechamore was in tatters and a bruise covered most of his forehead. Others helped him to his feet and steadied him, and he took a halting step forward toward Neville and me. Hey, chaps. I finally made it, didn't I? I'm sorry about the way I look. I... Truly, then it was you. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. Nothing for you to be sorry about. You see, we got out and, and we, looked everywhere. We even went back and looked again. But in the fog, we... Well... I don't think I understand what you're talking about. But I do. This is the time to clear up the confusion. Neville here and Roberts were about to make a confession. Am I correct, gentlemen? Tell us what you saw tonight on your way here. We were driving along in the fog when suddenly a young man stepped right out in front of us, not over a mile from here. There was nothing I could do. I didn't have any idea who it was. Tony, we stopped, we went back, we looked everywhere. We had no idea it was you. Me? It wasn't me. It wasn't you? Then, then how did you... What happened to you? You recall that Tony telephoned me from Kettering? Yes. That he'd had trouble with his motorbike? Tell him what kind of trouble, Tony. Well, I was riding along the road, the same road you were on, when suddenly this man jumped out in front of me. What? I swerved to miss him, lost control of the bike, landed in the ditch. When I got back on my feet, he was gone. Just like what happened to you. So I pushed the bike back to Kettering and phoned to tell the colonel I'd be a little late. But then you... You saw the, the same man. I must say, sir, this doesn't clear up the confusion. It, it makes it worse. The man you both saw in Foot's car and the man Tony saw on his motorbike were one and the same. Who is he? Well, I'm sad to say he's a devoted relative of mine. He's been quite attentive of late. 
But I had no idea he would fit in an appearance tonight of all nights. Yet I, I should have known. The man you have met on the lane from Kettering to the Hedges, gentlemen, was my father. Your father? Yes, he, he inherited the Hedges from my grandfather and promptly ran himself several hundred thousand pounds into debt. And shortly after I left home for the flying service back in 1925, he decided to put an end to his difficulties by throwing himself under the wheels of the Northampton stage, which used this road for many years. And on some nights like these, especially, I think, when the hedges is lively with young people as it is tonight, he returns. And he recommits his tragic act. Over, and over, and over. I, uh, I suppose he will be doing so for eternity. Uh, now, if, uh, if you'll excuse me, I'll, I'll go and give my thanks to the constable for collecting Tony and bringing him here. Uh, meanwhile, uh, please let the reunion continue. our ghost story for tonight. In a minute, I'll be back with the names of our players and a few scenes from our next crisis attraction. Tonight, Crisis has presented The Late Comer with Jay Green, Albert Clark, Robert O. Smith, and Steve Hilliard. Sound created by Jeff Thompson, engineering by Carney Barton at Audio Recording Incorporated. And direction by yours truly, Jim French. The Late Comer was adapted for Crisis from an original concept by Albert Clark. Join us next week, won't you? For Crisis.